What is off the groove? It means you've blown the line or you're pushing the limits a little bit too far or just maybe you might be looking for a faster way around the racetrack. Off the Groove with Scotty Dubler. The Lima Half Mile never disappoints and this year was no different. Beautiful Ohio weather and constant prep kept the track racy all day and night. In the singles class, Shayna Texter stole the show. Her Husqvarna team was fast right out of the box, giving her the confidence she needed to run up front and give the factory team their first national win. It was also Shayna's first win of the 2018 season and first at the Lima Half Mile, bumping her into third place, one point behind Ryan Wells, who finished second. Our points leader worked his way through the field to salvage the last podium spot. For the Twins riders, the day started with the final running of the George Roeder Memorial Dash for Cash. Jeffrey Carver took the win and looked like he had the speed to beat Meese once again. In the main, the usual suspects were all in contention for the win, but it was Meese once again who led every lap to the victory. Carver was charging throughout the race, but after a rough start, the distance was just too much to make up. Henry Wiles was my pick to win. He finished third after a tough battle with last year's winner, Briar Bauman, who finished just off the box on his first Indian ride. Always great to see the Ohio fans come out for this one. The grandstands were packed and fans once again lined the fences. After a couple days to catch my breath, I flew out to Maryland for the 97th annual Barbara Fritchie Classic. Cameron Smith seems to be building a little momentum with a sixth place finish at Lima and the win in the singles class in Frederick. It will be interesting to see what he does at the short track this weekend in New York. Corey Texter showed up and pulled double duty with a third place finish in the singles and a win in the twins class. Next stop for me is upstate New York for some short track racing in Weedsport. There's a kickoff party at the track tonight with live music, stunt shows, and a chance to meet some riders. Jared Meese will be doing a seat swap with Jim Phelps getting behind the wheel of his dirt mod while Jim pilots the FTR 750. Tomorrow is the New York short track, one of two new tracks on the circuit and one of the shortest tracks all year. Teams will not only be chasing each other, but possibly the track and setup of their bikes throughout the day. As a rider, I always like the challenge that comes with going to a new track. This week's guest may have struggled last week in Lima, but will be one to watch in the second half of the season. He's running up front in main events since partnering with Richie Morris Racing and hopping on the Indian in Calistoga. Let's get to know number 67, Dashin Davis Fisher. Hello? Hello? Who's this? That's Davis Fisher. Number 67? I, You know, I called information. I said, I want to talk to the fastest guy from the Pacific Northwest, and they gave me your number. So are, are you kind of in tight with the people on information? I mean, I figured, you know, they might give me somebody else, but they gave me your number. <laughs> yeah, it must be pretty tight with them because there's a lot of fast guys from the Pacific Northwest, and I'm proud to be one of them. Absolutely. Let's get to know Davis Fisher. Where were you born? I was born in Portland, Oregon, and raised in uh, Warren, Oregon. Graduated in 2016 from Skeptis. So how far away from Portland is that? I mean, is it is it close by? Is it like a suburb, or you live out in the country? Yeah, it's pretty close. Um, I'm like 20 miles northwest of Portland. Um, Portland's like one of the biggest cities around me. Um, we're, we're only about 45 minutes from the airport. Is Portland a, a good motorcycle city? Is there a lot of people that ride up there? Yeah, there's quite a bit of people. Um, you know, CC Motorcycles, um, they're based out of Portland, and they got their coffee shop. Um, there's a lot of, like, cafe racers' bikes around in the city. And we got Salem Morgan, which is our indoor, pretty close. There's quite a bit of motorcycle enthusiasts up in that area. Right on. Do you ride on the street or you just stick to, to racing and, and dirt riding? Just stick to racing and uh, dirt riding. Um, 
I had an XG 750 in 2016. Um, I sold it with only 35 miles on it because that was the distance um, from the dealership to home. <laughs> That's it. So you rode it one time. I don't ride on the street very much either. I'd rather be on a racetrack myself. So um, how did you get into riding motorcycles? From my dad. Um, he was former national number 12. He never really wanted me to race, but my mom, she kind of like just said, let him follow his dreams. I was kind of surprised when they finally let me race because we headed up to Renton, Washington. My dad was going to race on Saturday, and I was just going to do the practice night on Friday. But I guess he kind of made up a deal with my mom if I uh, did my thing, helped him out at the track, and cleaned up my own stuff around the pit area. Didn't really run around and just stayed focused on racing that they would eventually let me race. And so I, I passed the test, and here I am. Wow. Yeah, 12 so- years. You know, when I was growing up, my dad was racing still, but I remember being a kid and just playing in the dirt and, you know, chasing frogs or whatever we do when we're little kids. I don't remember really watching my dad race a whole lot. So did you watch your dad as he's racing at the at the national level? Yeah. Oh, not the national level, no. Um, I think his last year was, or his last full year was 96. And I, I don't really remember when his last AMA race was. But I remember going to like the Rainier Short Track in Washington and, Playing on the side of the hill while he raced, um, I had a little, it's almost like a strider, rode it down the hill, down and back, and played in the dirt with my buddies while he raced. Sounds very familiar. Sounds like the same thing I was doing. So uh, do you have a favorite racing memory of him racing, or you were too busy playing? I was too busy playing, um, but we went back in 2006 and rode Amber Nationals. That's kind of like towards the end of where he's kind of settled down and stopped racing local races was uh 2006 he raced the west coast qualifier so that we could gather up enough money to make it back to amateur nationals and then he raced amateur nationals we got the vet rider of the year and that was a fun weekend just being able to watch him race at decoin illinois at all the different tracks and pretty much dominated um and then the last time that he raced with me um he ended up beating me so i think that's why he kind of called it quit <laughs> so he can always say that the last time we, we raced i will beat you Hey, I, I can understand that, but now uh, now that you're getting older and faster, I mean, it'd be kind of cool to see him out there again. Do you have a favorite racing memory of your own already? I mean, I know you've been racing, you said, since you were really little, but uh, do you have a favorite racing memory so far? It's it's pretty tough to come up with memory. I mean, there's been so many great memories, but I look back on the most recent one, and it had to be Springfield Mile, but run up front with uh, Jared Meese, Kenny Coolbeth, and Jeffrey Carver um, was it was a pretty cool memory, and I hope to do it again someday. Yeah, I, I think you're going to be up there with them, uh, you know, a lot more at the end of this in the end of the season, though. But uh, what was it about motorcycle racing that appealed to you? Why did you want to do it? My dad grew up uh, racing, and I've seen how many friends that he made and memories over the years. I was just kind of attracted to, um, and want to make those memories that he made with his friends. So yeah. Right on. Do you do you remember what your number was yeah. when you first started? Yeah, my number was sixty seven. My mom brought home the shirt and it was it was a soccer shirt. I had sixty seven on the back and I was like, It'd be pretty cool to have a shirt with my number on it. And so I just kinda of stuck with that and my dad's like, Yeah, you need to stick with that one. That was Bubba Schobert and that's a cool number. He was a cool dude. <laughs> Absolutely. So he he, 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 
He is a cool dude, man. He texts me during every race that I'm uh, announcing. I, I don't know if he wants to just see if I'm paying attention to my phone or he always gives me some little tidbit <laughs> of information about, yeah, you know, like like when Shane won the other night, he goes, I was never beat by a girl, but she kicked their butt. <laughs> you know, just something stupid like that. But Bubba, Bubba's awesome. Yeah, he's awesome. That's for sure. I just met him last year because he was at the Steel Shoe Nationals, and it's pretty cool. Does does he like cool. it that you're number sixty seven? Because that was his national number. Yeah, yeah, he likes. It, I'm pretty sure. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, I can do him proud. I'm pretty sure you are. So, uh, where did the nickname Dash and Davis come from? Um, it came from the announcer at Castle Rock. Um, I was on a one ten riding the Mad Dog class with my cousin, and yeah, he just started saying Dash and Davis Fisher, and just stuck. I get it. You know, usually, I, usually yeah. I'm the one that comes up with nicknames, but I like it when when the racer comes to the track, you know, as an up and comer, and they already have a nickname. I I love that. I try to give the respect and the props to whoever came up with the nickname. So that's good to know. So what do you do when you're not racing motorcycles? For the past two years, I'm staying at the Johnsons, and last year I worked quite a bit. Did my own team, so. When I wasn't racing, I was either working or working on my bikes or working on myself in general, just trying to stay in shape. And then whenever I had downtime, me and Kyle would tear some stuff up in the backyard. Hey, it's got 50 acres, and so we've been tearing stuff up. Like last week, we decided to hook the kneeboard to the quad and tow it around the lake and kneeboard at the same time. Kind of a next thing to do, but... Uh, we do some stupid stuff around here. Hopefully no, none of us get hurt. <laughs> so the the Johnson's house up there, you're talking about Kyle Johnson, his parents, and his sister races too. And, and uh, so that's up in Michigan, right? Yeah. Yeah, up in Muskegon, Michigan. Okay. That's cool. Well, let's get yeah. into your racing career because you've got a very long racing career for as young as you are. It's pretty dang impressive, honestly. You know, you went pro in 2014. You had a great rookie season, finishing strong uh, with the winning the final two events and end up just one point shy of the GNC2 championship in your first season as a professional flat tracker. Uh, were you surprised with your success you had right off the bat in the, in the pro ranks? Yeah, I was really surprised. I can remember coming in from a main event at Daytona and just thinking, like, I think I finished ninth in Daytona. I was just, like, so shocked. I would have never expected that. And then on the second day, I believe I got on the podium, and I just couldn't believe it. And I was like, man, maybe I had something. And, yeah, I was really shocked after that first year. And so I just told myself I need to win it next year. And I came up one point short. I don't want to do any worse than that. So if you followed up that rookie season with four wins the next year, you know, with both Springfield events, the Black Hills half mile, and then you won at Delaware, and you won the championship in 2015 for the Parkinson Brothers Racing. Talk about what it was like to win that first pro title. To win the title meant a lot to me. Um, I have to come up one point short from the year prior. Parkinson Brothers Racing really helped out uh, my success, along with Bob Lanfears, Steve Motorcycles, and Dan Wall Racing. We were just able to click off the podiums, didn't get hurt. Like the year prior, I got hurt at Indian Head and missed two races. Stayed consistent all season long and tied up the championship with two races to go. So how did you get teamed up with the Parkinson Brothers Racing and what was it like riding for them? After 2014, Kyle Johnson, he won the championship and he turned expert. So Craig had the 450s sitting there and he contacted me asking if I would like to ride them. And I said, yeah. And they, they were just such a great team to ride for very uh family based they have the best of everything if, if there's a part out there that guarantees a win they'll be the first one to buy it They're, they love the sport of racing and that's what it takes to make a great team you gotta know how the racing works and, and 
uh, have the love for the sport. Absolutely. Let's move into 2016. You start out the season on a 450 in Daytona in the GNC1 class. And it was uh, the first rider to throw a leg over the factory XG750 for Harley-Davidson in the next event at COTA down there in Austin, Texas. So talk about how that transpired and how you got to ride for the factory Harley-Davidson team. Yeah, um, I believe they contacted me. It was like a week after the Delaware race where I, I won uh, and tied up the championship. And just getting the call was like a dream come true. And then uh, we started up the testing like on the second weekend of February and got to ride the XG750 for the first time. To be part of the, the factory team felt so great and a, a big accomplishment for me, especially for my rookie year. Um, a lot of people struggle their first year trying to make it every race, but it was a big relief just knowing that I was guaranteed to be at every race and make it each one. I think I think that's every flat tracker's dream is to ride for you know a factory team. You know either well now there's factory Indian, but then that was the only factory team that was out there is the factory Harley Davidson team. So. What an accomplishment for you at such a young age. And, and then your first year, you got fourth in your semi at Coda and at Arizona, but just barely missing the main event. But then you put it in the first main event of your career at Sacramento. Can you talk about how special that day was to make your first ever Grand National main event on and doing it on a, a brand new unproven motorcycle? Yeah, it was really special. After, I mean, the first few races that we were on, it didn't go so well. Um, just trying to make it through the day without any mechanical was a success. And then to put in the main event at Sacramento was a big accomplishment for the team. It felt really good uh, up until the main event where it ended up breaking and then Brad broke their lap later. It was kind of a big downer, but we made the main event. So that was great. Yeah. You're the first one ever to put the XG into a main event. Is that right? I mean, that's how, that's how I saw it. So you, you know, nobody can ever yeah, take that away yeah. from you. Right. It was kind of a disappointing year, but, I mean, I was able to ride for the factory and have the privilege of riding the first XG. Yeah, so you had a new bike, you know, first year in the Twins class. It may not have been everything you wanted, but you, you got a couple of top tens, made several main events, end up being the, you know, the rookie of the year. So talk about what, what led to making the decision to switch to Kawasaki for 2017. Yeah, the reason I switched to Kawasaki was just, it was the most affordable bike for me to build as a privateer. And I, I mean, last year it was, I would say the second best bike out there um, with the Indian factor team being the best, but I mean, at the time they were available and I wouldn't have been able to afford them. Bob Lanfears and Dick Wall 60 helped me out. And along with a lot of other sponsors, Savage Customs, Northwest Innovations, Power Coding, they helped me make a team from the ground up i built the three bikes in my shop jd helped me out by supplying me with the bike i just thought i'd go out and build my own team and make something out of it which i think i made the right decision i was able to get a few top tens and prove that i could do it on my own and i came up one point short of beating the factory harley team um in the championship yeah, that's definitely no easy task, you know, starting something from scratch. You know, I've been out of the game a little bit too long. I wouldn't even know really where to start. I mean, you got to start somewhere, obviously. But I think 2017 was very successful. It was your second full season in the premier class. You made 14 out of the 18 main events. You had nine top tens. Is there anything or any mm -hmm. race that really sticks out from 2017 that, that you remember and that, you know, something that really sticks out to you? Yeah, uh, Lima uh, in 2017. Uh, I ended up fourth, which was my best uh, finish in 2017. Um, there was a restart, and uh kind of gave me a breather. 
and I was able to come through and uh, like uh, on the restart, I might have like started eighth or something like that. Same however, ended up not being able to start. And then I was battling with Brian Smith, got by him in the past 10 eight wilds. And uh, yeah, I just remember looking up and counting the people that finished. Like, man, I was, one, I was one close to the podium. Pretty exciting moment. Yeah, you're getting you're getting closer and closer to getting on that podium for sure. So 2017 in the books. Let's talk about what happened after 2017 and gearing up for 2018. So, what what did you do in the off season and how did that differ than the previous seasons? Going into 2018, I didn't really have any offers um, that I thought was better than the team that I had going on. So I stripped down all my bikes, uh, Savage Customs helped me build them back up along with the uh, Northwest Innovations with Tommy Powdercoat and get everything looking sharp. Gordy Chopre helped me out with the motors by rebuilding them. And I built one more 750. I raced Salem like basically once a month when I had time to just get in the racing mode. I mean, you can go out and practice all by yourself, but there's nothing like going on a turn one with people. You got, you got to get used to that. And it was tough to make some Salem races because my dad works during the week. And then once he comes home, he doesn't really like to go out of the shop. He likes to spend time with the family. So sometimes we sacrifice the weekends instead of going to Salem. We uh, worked in the shop together to get ready for 2018. The year prior, February 2017, I went and rode ice for the first time in Michigan and had a lot of fun. And so this year in February, I took my dad along with me and we went and rode ice for a weekend. And then I stuck around and rode the steel shoe three hour in Wisconsin with Kyle Johnson. And uh, that was a lot of fun. What did you think of riding on the ice? I, I've never got that experience. What's it like? It's a lot of fun. It's a lot like riding on the beach at home. It's, I don't know. I hate to say it, like a knock on wood, but I think it would be pretty tough to get hurt on it because there's no like, there's structure. There's no hay bales. There's like, no about, walls. There's no yeah. guardrails. Yeah. I, I hear you. <laughs> pretty much just slide. Yeah, I, heard, I heard ice like race that? was actually faster than dirt because, I mean, the, the, the studs stick in the ice every lap, and it's the same. You can just, you know, just almost ride it wide open. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah, it's really hooked up. I mean, you got to have a, a good tire to really trust it. I mean, the first time I rode it, uh, Kyle Johnson set my bike up that I left back here, and we went on a road for the first day. And he's like, how do you like that front tire? I'm like, yeah, it's all right. Uh, it seems like it's pushing a little bit. He's like, yeah, I didn't like that tire. Well, I'm only getting a different one. <laughs> uh, well, thanks. <laughs> thanks a lot. What are, what are uh, friends for? Right. I didn't know there was beaches out there by Portland, but I guess there are some out there. What What's it like riding on the beach? You said it's similar to riding on the ice. How How is it the same, and then how is it different? It's pretty much the same because you can go out and make it any type of track you want, or there's no bound or like yeah, there's no boundaries besides the water. I mean, you don't want to fall in the water in the ocean um, if you crash, but. Um, it's really hooked up and you can pretty much lean it over and besides if you fall off the knob, but you can pretty much lean it over like you can on the ice. You got to go out when it's a low tide though. Cause if you don't, you can't really make anything more than a short track. But um, yeah, if you go out on low tide, you can pretty much make anything as big as a half mile. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I guess I never even thought about going out there and, and riding on a beach like that and, and even comparing it to, you know, riding on ice. So, that's pretty cool and good stuff to hear for sure. But uh, let's talk about getting into the 2018 season. So I think you start off the year riding for Bob Lanfears on the Kawasaki. And then partway through, you switched over to, to ride, you know, the Richie Morris uh, Double D Performance Indian. So, I mean, how long is was the Indian in the works? And I thought, you know, 
going into the season, you're going to ride that Kawasaki all year. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm still riding for Bob Lanthier's Beaverton motorcycles and thick wall 60. Um, it's kind of confusion, um, that a lot of people have, but Bob Lanthier, he's still helping fund my team and he's my biggest supporter. Um, Basically, RMR and Bob Lanfear's Beaver Motorcycle, along with all my other sponsors, Big Ball 60, um, kind of combined forces and made one team. For me to be part of the RMR team, I had to supply an Indian myself. And so Bob Lanfear's Beaver Motorcycle has helped that happen. Okay. So, yeah, we're one big old team. Um, I got the call after Texas that um, they planned to have another rider, but things didn't work out. And their next choice was myself. And it, helped, it helped me out a lot because I'm able to train a lot more during the week. Because before then, I was traveling to each race and trying to work on my bike during the week and come up with the money to make it to each race. So they made it a lot easier on me with getting my bike ready during the week. James Hart has a job of doing that. And then supplying the tires and gas at each race takes so, a lot so of pressure off me. Absolutely. So now you can kind of just you know focus on you and show up and race and it makes things a lot easier is that right yeah for sure okay so james hart's your mechanic does he work on the bikes during the week and then he just brings them to the track is is that kind of what i'm catching yeah he works on the bikes during the week and then at the track um he's pretty much head mechanic at the track as far as making calls but my dad he's with me and Makes calls, and then him and James uh, bounce off each other and decide on what to do. James kind of bounces back and forth between me and Ryan Wells. Okay, I got you. That's pretty cool because, you know, James used to be a national number, and he's been to most of these racetracks we've been to, so he's got a lot of knowledge in his head, as well as your dad. You know, your dad's raced at most of these racetracks as well, so you got a lot of knowledge behind you. Yeah, James is a good guy, and my dad and James actually traveled together on Best Friends um, back when they were racing, so it's pretty much like one big old family and that's Perfect. one of the best teams to ride for is when everyone gets along you know heck yeah i love it i didn't i didn't know any of that stuff that's awesome so uh what do you think about the competition so far in the twins class i i believe it's a lot more um even this year than it was last year there was only three indians out there last year and so i mean they kind of were able to split off from the group besides on some tracks where it was mostly rider instead of bike uh advantage this year there's a lot more indians out there and not a lot of people have had to go through them yet like jeremy's team they've had them for about three years now so they got a lot of resources to do to the bike so that's i think the biggest advantage but jared he's a he's a great rider and a great guy so i can't take that anything away from him you know Absolutely. So Daytona, you, you know, seventh place finish on, you know, the Bob Lanfears Kawasaki. You missed the main in Atlanta by a couple of spots, 12th in Texas. And then that's when you got to ride the Indian for the very first time was at Calistoga. And you were a rocket ship right out, you know, the first time on the racetrack. So how cool was it to ride the Indian? And what was your first impression the first time you rode that Indian at a national? Uh, I, I ended up picking up the Indian a week prior. Um, from Andy DeBrino, which was a super hooligan champion from last year. Um, he sold me the bike. I picked it up, um, ordered some parts from SNS, and rode around my three-mile block, and then loaded up and went to Calistoga. And the first time on the Indian was great. Just such smooth power, which I think is one of the biggest things for flat tracking. I mean, you can have 100 horsepower, but there's only so much surface on the tire to be able to hook up and the Indian uh, delivers power like nothing else. Right on. So, I like it. Yeah. So since, 
since you got on that Indian, you know, a fifth at Calistoga, a sixth at Phoenix, you know, sixth at Sacramento, uh, probably your most impressive ride. You talked about it earlier, you know, running up front at the Springfield mile with the fourth place finish. So uh, how exciting was that? I mean, I know they've got a, a lot more, you know, seat time on a mile than you do, but you you were up there running right with the leaders. Yeah, Springfield's just, it's, it's ran twice a year. So um, it's like one of the tracks where a lot of people, riders have a lot of time on it where most other tracks we only get to ride once out of the year so um it's kind of tough learning but springfield i've been racing since 2014 and so i got quite a bit of time there and yeah i love springfield i love going there yeah it, it obviously showed with the fourth place finish and then we move on to the red mile and you're once again you're running up front with the fast guys uh, from my point of view, up on top of the grandstands, you, you touched over there with Brad Baker in turn number three. I think your handlebar uh, hit him on his right, you know, right side somewhere. And I don't know if that was a little incidental contact or if it was on purpose or anything like that. But you went down. Uh, I think you cracked the radiator or something like that. Weren't able to continue. So an 18th place finish there. Talk us through how disappointing something like that is. Yeah, it's pretty disappointing. I mean, running up front is a good feeling to tell you. Uh, you know, tied some bars with another rider and then going down. It, I mean, I thought I had the room to go around the outside and I thought I had him passed. So I started working my way down and then his knee must have hit my handlebars. And with the little groove we had, um, if you got off that, you pretty much were guaranteed to go down or lose some positions. But fortunately, I ended up going down. I was ready to restart. I mean, I went down really smoothly, actually. But then I noticed I had a hole in my radio, so I wasn't able to make the restart. Gotcha. So I was I was really really looking forward to you making your first Grand National podium right there on that day. I think it's coming very soon, Davis. So uh, you know, don't let that discourage you because you. you backed it up with a, a sixth place finish at Oklahoma City uh, last weekend was Lima, and you didn't make the main event. So walk us through what happened this past Saturday. Yeah, going to Lima, I was really looking forward to after finishing fourth last year. I was hoping to be able to make the podium this year. Um, in my semi, I didn't get a great start. And like three laps in, I'd used all my tear offs. The sun was very brutal going into three, wasn't able to see much being in like the eighth position. So I, I started wiping my shield. And after a few laps of that, uh, it got pretty blurry. But then there was a restart, and uh, I had my dad bring me out some tear offs, and we put those on. But on the restart, after getting blasted before the restart, there must have been rocks in my shield or whatever in the hinges and i couldn't get my shield closed all the way so on the restart my shield was open about an inch and had to finish out the race with that and it was oh, tough wow. um seeing yeah man so it's unfortunate yeah. that happened but i know next time i'll make sure my shield goes down before it's last minute <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah, one yeah, of those things just learn it yeah yeah you don't want that to happen at that racetrack for sure i think you can get by with that at a few other racetracks but not Lima, not with those uh, that pig rail flying at you at over 100 miles an hour. So, man, that's a, a tough break for you. Uh, we're, we're just past the halfway point in the season right now. You're sitting ninth in the point standings. You're only eight points behind Chad Coase. What races are you most looking forward to in this second half of the season? Um, I'm looking forward to um, the TTs, actually. We've been on the miles lately, and I think the throw and a couple of TTs uh, might be able to mix it up a little bit. And I, I enjoy turning right and going over jumps. I, I, I like being able to race on tracks. I don't like one-liners because I don't get very good starts. I'm always trying to find my way through the pack. So 
I mean, whatever tracks um, that will allow me to do that, I'll enjoy. <laughs> okay. Are you are you uh, planning on riding the Indian at the TTs, or will you switch over and ride the Kawasaki's? No, I'll ride the Indians uh, from here on out at the X Games and all that. Okay. That's pretty cool. You mentioned yeah. the X Games. How cool is it getting invited to the X Games? I mean, that's the premiere of the who's who in extreme sports, man. And you got an invitation to go ride there again. How cool is that? It's really cool. Um, just a great venue. Um, they make you uh, feel like a rock star. I mean, got all the hospitality and seeing all the stars from every sport discipline is pretty cool. Absolutely. I think it's a lot of fun. I, I got the invite to go back again. I'm, I'm going to be the color analyst on ESPN. So I'm going to be talking about you. The format's oh, going to be a little bit different. It's going to be inside this year and uh, it's going to be exciting for sure. It's going to be a pretty tight little short track. So we're just, like I said, just a moment ago, we're just past the halfway point of the season. Are, are you talking about plans for next year? Or are you trying to just focus on finishing out the 2018 season strong? Trying to finish out the 2018 strong, but always got to keep in mind for next year and uh, hopefully team up with RMR again. Um, we've been talking about next year, um, but who knows? I mean, silly season's already starting, so. That, that's we'll kind of what I've been hearing. A, a few rumors out there already, some some talking about some rider changes. And like I said, we're just past halfway. So I love how the, the silly season is already beginning. So we're at the point of the episode mm-hmm. now, uh, Davis, where we, we call it Graham's question. And Graham's, uh, my grandma is Kathy Dubler. And she's, she said, she's followed your career closely. She's cheered for you when you're, when you won your GNC two championship. She said she felt your frustration in your rookie year in the twins class. And she's really enjoying seeing you run up front as of late on the Indian. She wants to know, are you happy with where you're currently at in your flat track career? Yeah, I'm really happy. Um, it's been a great uh, career so far. Come up one point short, my first rookie year in the pro class to get in the championship in 2016 to a factory ride in 2016 to finish in top seventh in 2017 to now riding for a team that prides my bike during the week. And I'm pretty excited and I think next year will even be even better. Um, start out the year uh, doing my own thing and then kind of working my way into a team and on a new bike. Uh, so we've only been on about six races now. So I think next year will be a great year. Um, hopefully get on the podium more and maybe get a win. And I mean, I'm shooting for a win now, but it'll, it'll, be, it'll be tough to, to beat Jared. He's, he's on a roll. Well, he, he definitely is. I mean, eight out of 10 races he's won and, and, you know, he finished second at Springfield and uh, of course was disqualified Atlanta, but he is on fire right now. So, uh, now we're going to get into the uh, the final portion of the program. It's our rapid fire questions. So maybe uh, just tell me your, the first thing that pops into your mind when, when I ask you these questions. So what's your favorite place to eat when you're on the road? Probably Chipotle. Whenever I can find a Chipotle, it seems like a bonus. <laughs> All right. All right. I like it. Yeah. So what, what is your favorite racetrack? And that could be one that you ride at home. It could be one you ride anywhere. And and uh, what's your favorite racetrack? Um. I mean, in the past, it would be Indy, but I've had some good get-offs at Indy and some bad luck. Uh, but lately, I think it's Springfield. I've had some success there, and um, I love that it's not follow the leader. There's a lot of opportunity to make passes there, so I like that place. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back that up with a little follow-up question. If you could make a track up there from the Pacific Northwest to put on the national circuit, which one would it be? I think it has to be Castle Rock Short Track. Yeah, it's a pretty cool place. 
Yeah, I, I like it. And, you know, when we used to go up there the night before, they'd run the Twins on the short track, and it was, it was pretty exciting. So I'd uh-huh. love to go back up there and, and watch that myself. I think it would be some great racing. So um, next question, yeah. are there any are there any up-and-coming riders that we should be looking out for? Um, Dallas Daniels will be one. He, he seems to be able to ride at any track possible and be the front runner. Yeah, he he's fast on a dirt bike. He's fast on a flat track bike, and he's he's shown now that he's even fast on a road racer. I mean, the kid's pretty incredible. So, right. uh, and he just won the Nikki Hayden Horizon Award. So, I think he nailed that one for sure. Um, last question, the rapid fire questions is: Are you gonna sneak around to do a victory lap when you podium, or are you gonna wait until you win your first uh, national? Uh, I probably wait until I uh, win my first national. Uh, that way I can make it something special. But when I get my first podium, I know I'm going to do something spectacular because I'm really pretty stoked. <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for that day. I think it's going to happen at any race yeah. for sure. And, and I'm going to follow that question up with when you win your first Grand National, who's going to get the victory lap with you? Uh, it it uh, be my dad for sure. Um, he's been with me through the tough times, through the happy times. And, yeah, I'd love to give him his uh, first victory lap That's and awesome. my first victory lap. I mean, we, we've had victory laps in the past, but, yeah, getting the AFT Twins victory lap, there's nothing like it. <laughs> Yeah, and I think I think after you get your first one, they everybody says that after you win your first one, the second one sure comes a whole lot easier. So I'm looking forward to that day, and, and I can't wait for you to get on the podium first, and I can't wait for you to win your first Grand National. So I definitely appreciate you taking the time to, to talk to me here uh, on Off the Groove. Do you want to say thanks to anybody before we let you go? Yeah, I'd like to thank the whole RMR team for bringing me on. Bob Lanfears, Beef to Motorcycles, Dick Wall 60 for getting my dad to and from the track every weekend. Double D's performance for supplying the RMR team with another Indian. And all my uh, sponsors back home, uh, Savage Customs, Northwest Innovations, Arai Helmets for keeping me safe, NJK Leathers, CC Motorcycles, and all the sponsors that come along with the RMR team, along with Vortex, No Toil, Allied Motors, Brothers Trucking. You got a lot of them, man. I love it. That's what makes makes you keep going to the racetrack, man. I definitely appreciate the time, and thanks again for coming on Off the Groove. Yeah, thank you, Scotty, for having me. That's Dash and Davis Fisher, number 67. Thanks again to Davis for his time, and thank you all for listening. I'll be off the Grand National Circuit for a while, but no worries. I'll still be talking to riders and calling flat track events throughout July. Looking like I may be heading back to Ohio for some all-star national races, then off to Minneapolis for X Games July 18th through the 22nd. Smash that like button, give us a follow, and tell your friends. I'll talk to you all next Friday.